Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning and welcome to Dirt Radio. Uh, I'm Phil Evans and you're coming at you live from Nagargo, also known as Fitzroy. And uh, we're, of course, on the land of the Wurundjeri people and in the Kulin Nation where sovereignty has never been ceded. Uh, 3CR show Dirt Radio is sponsored by Friends of the Earth. And um, we get down and talk all about what's going on around in activism around Friends of the Earth and the wider grassroots community as well. Uh, pretty exciting today. We've got um, joining us in the studio um, an old um, rememberable voice for those who've been listening to Dirt Radio for a while. Um, the wonderfully uh, wonderful Anthony Amos. Good morning, Anthony. Hi, Phil. How are you going? Uh, not too bad. I just uh, public transport woes. <laughs> well, yeah, don't we know all about those? <laughs> um, and what have you been up to? We haven't heard you for a couple of. Uh, Quite a while off in Dirt Radio. Uh, yeah, I've been uh, sort of bunkering down, doing a lot of research into chemicals and water and um, and mining for the last six months. Sure. So um, we have coming up on the show today, we're going to talk about pesticides and chemicals, and we've got a special guest. And then a little later, we'll have a look at some of the up-and-coming events around the Friends of the Earth community. So after the break, we're going to be joined by Professor Alfred Poulos. He has a PhD from London University and a law degree from Adelaide University. Um, the latter university awarded him a professorship for his research into genetic diseases, fat and fat metabolism. He has worked in universities, hospitals and research institutes in the United Kingdom, Australia, Canada and the US. And his most recent appointment as a chief medical scientist was at the Adelaide Women's and Children's Hospital. Uh, it's a position he's held for many years now. In 2005, he published a book called The Silent Threat, and he's just released a new book called The Secret Life of Chemicals. But before we get to him, here's a quick community service announcement. Well, if you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. If you listen to 3CR, I sure know where you are. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. We'll check out the happening vibe. We're gonna ring up and subscribe. If you listen to 3CR, flap your ears. What? Who the hell is that? Flap your ears. What are you talking about? I ain't no elephant. Get out of here. This is handmade radio. You're back on 3CR Dirt Radio this morning. Um, we are joined in the studio by former presenter Anthony Amos and also our special guest, Professor Alfred Poulos. Good morning. Good How morning. Hi. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome to Dirt Radio. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, Alfred, um, I met you about uh, 14 months ago 
and I was really interested in the work you were doing um, because I was interested in similar issues. So you've just um, written a book called The Secret Life of Chemicals. Can you give an outline to the listeners um, what the book's about and, and what was the inspiration to write the book? Uh, the book is all about chemicals in the environment and how we take them up into our bodies and the impact it has on our health, the possible impact it has on our health. The inspiration was I became aware years and years ago we were exposed to a multitude of chemicals and I was convinced that many of us become sick because of that and there's a lot of evidence for that. Uh, I was concerned too that I've got two grandchildren, uh, one of them 15, the other's uh, 11, 12, um, and the world they're growing up in is becoming increasingly polluted and there's a lot of emphasis on climate change, uh, a lot of emphasis on carbon dioxide and all those other gases, but not so much emphasis, I think, on the contamination of our environment with chemicals and how they get into our bodies and what they do when they get into our bodies. Uh, so that was the inspiration. My grandchildren and the concern I have about what's in our food, what's in our water, etc. So there's a myriad of issues covered in the book. Um, yeah. What to you do you think are the most serious or are they all serious? Or uh, I, think, uh, I think when when polar bears in the Arctic, if you take some of their tissue, take some of their adipose tissue, look at their liver and you find traces of chemicals man-made chemicals, if I can use the term man-made as opposed to human-made, <laughs> um, if you find traces of those in the tissues, then you've got a problem because there's no industry in the North Pole. So clearly what happens, what we do, the chemicals that we use spread around the planet. Uh, secondly, um, I became aware, for instance, that even in, say, breast milk, breast milk, um, there have been analyses done of breast milk around the planet, all sorts of different countries, and it's clear that there are traces of chemicals in breast milk. So we are feeding our children milk that contains tiny amounts of industrial chemicals. Uh, so that was, for me, a major concern. And then I started researching into the book, um, the traces of chemicals in the environment, and I was just amazed the extent of it. Uh, for instance, uh, just, just one point, many of these chemicals are man-made, They've never been, or they've never occurred in the environment until relatively recently. Our bodies could cope with lots of the natural chemicals. We have mechanisms for breaking them down. But some of these so-called man-made chemicals, these industrial chemicals, can't be broken down. Or if they are broken down, they're broken down very, very slowly. They're taken up by fish. We eat the fish. They end up in our, our bodies. We can't break them down. We can't utilise them. Uh, it was assumed, I think, when these chemicals were released, that microorganisms could begin to break them down. Plastics, for instance, some of the plastics. But microorganisms can't, or if they do, the process is very, very slow. So they accumulate. So there's all these concerns I had about what's happening. One, one issue that comes up uh, in my research time and time again is this issue of small doses. Yes. And um, in, in current... Uh, a chemical assessment, um, th the regulators will say, well, look, if you have a, a if you're exposed to a, a certain chemical at a very low dose um, for a lifetime, you'll be safe. Um, can you explain a little bit about some of the latest research into small doses? And 
Well, the, the assumption has been you check it out in animals uh, and you use maybe three different species. You check it out and uh, if it doesn't affect an animal, if it's non-toxic, if we're exposed to a fraction of that amount, clearly, according to the governments, it's not going to create a problem. Well, there are issues with that. Firstly, uh, we're not animals. Uh, secondly, we are not exposed to a single chemical. We are exposed to dozens of different chemicals. And rats and mice and you know, dogs and whatever they use, monkeys, are rarely exposed to such a mixture. And in our case, we're exposed every day of our lives to traces of these chemicals, whereas animals aren't, you know, when, they, when they're tested. And the other point I need to make, and I've made this a number of times, and that is take drugs. Take pharmaceuticals, for instance. Okay, so in order to get a pharmaceutical through uh, all this stringent trials, uh, it's tested first of all in a series of animals, then eventually it's tested in humans, and if, it, if humans are okay, then the drug is released. Uh, however, even when the drug is released and it's been tested in animals and everything, some people have adverse effects. And the reason they have adverse effects is we're not all the same. Our genetics are slightly different. Some of us can cope and some of us can't. So low amounts, yeah, um, it's less likely, but over long periods of time and mixtures of compounds create all sorts of problems, unique problems, I think. And that's never, never looked at, really, I don't think. Mm. You mentioned that uh, there's a really large number of chemicals that we're ingesting at the same time. And I wonder when they go to study the effects of those chemicals on people, is it even possible to be able to tell what's doing what? Um, can you even do a blind test in a human anymore because we've just been in having these chemicals put into us for so long? You, uh, what they do uh, is what are called epidemiological studies. These are huge studies where you're comparing populations, right? You look at a population that's exposed to a particular chemical, you look to a population that isn't exposed to a particular chemical, or you don't think, and then you compare their health. Problem with all that is there are so many variables. You know, you've, you've got to really look at thousands and thousands of different people. So epidemiological studies are fine, but that is the problem with them. There are so many different variables. It's very hard to come to a conclusion. So it's hard to know. And the other thing they do, of course, is um, scientists and medics, they work with human cells. So you'll take a human cell and you'll add a chemical to a human cell and then you'll study what happens. Now, the interesting thing is, and you're talking about small doses, if you take something like dioxin, which I think everyone has heard of, traces of dioxin, dioxin in the fractions of a millionth of a gram can produce effects in certain cells. And that's amazing when you think of it. So, yeah, non-toxic. The other thing that we've just discovered, one final point, I have verbal diarrhoea, I've explained <laughs> before. Yeah, the, the thing about low doses is... Um, Just ask me another question. <laughs> well, I was just reading uh, myself one on um, uh, organophosphates. Oh, yes. Um, and uh, they were saying that there's no safe dose for children, and yet it's, it's regularly applied to all sorts of foods um, yeah. out, there, out there and in... Um, um, and it has been for decades, and even even at low doses, they were saying that um, what that does is, is it lowers IQ. So you, you end up having a, a dumber population across a, a broad spectrum. Uh, you know, instead of having a, a, a um, 
a, a, an element of, of really smart people that might emerge, you, you, you're going to get a, 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 sort, a certain dumbing down of, of, of the general population just via um, exposure to organophosphates, which are insecticides that have been sprayed on foods for 50, 60 years. Once again, impossible to prove. Uh, the only way you can do it is through these epidemiological studies. You look at people that have been exposed to organophosphates uh, and people who aren't, and then you can't reach certain conclusions. And it's it's very hard to reach conclusions based on that. Um, yeah. The the other in- interesting thing in the book was genetic s- s- susceptibility. susceptibility yeah. uh, and I, f- I found that really interesting. You could get a workplace, uh, like, a, for instance, a, a factory... And there might be certain people in the factory that are fine with some of the off gases or chemicals that are produced at the chemical at, at the factory, but there might be other uh, an, 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 another cohort of the po- of the worker population which might get ill and sick from the, from the same exposures. I wonder if you could elaborate a little bit about um, the you know, the research into into genetics susceptibility and the variation in I think, population. I think people uh, people think that we all have the same genes, and of course we do. We have approximately 20,000 genes, each of us. But there are slight differences in those genes. They're called polymorphisms. They all do the same thing, the 20,000 genes, but there are these slight differences that are called polymorphisms. Now, this means that, for instance, if you're given a particular drug, you have genes that will break that drug down, okay? And you'll break it down maybe quickly. You give that same drug to someone else who's got a polymorphism, a slight change in the gene, and that turnover of that drug is much, much slower. And as a consequence of that, some people end up with having adverse effects as a consequence. Now, to give you an illustration of that, the statins, which are the cholesterol-lowering drugs, some people end up with what's called myopathy, muscle weakness, as a consequence of that. Other people take it for years, and it's not an issue. Right, so that's what you mean by genetic susceptibility. Now, we're all different. It's obvious we're different. You just look around a population of people. Some are tall, some are small. The skin colour is different. But there are these tiny, tiny differences, which make a hell of a difference. So the theory in the book is, yeah, we're exposed to all these chemicals. Some of us can cope with them fairly well. Others, maybe not. Particularly, let's say, in a work environment, because in the book I've looked at uh, exposure through work, and it's pretty clear that in many situations that people get sick. Asthma, for instance. Uh, Many people get asthma in a work environment. Lots of people don't. So what's the difference? And the difference almost certainly is due to this genetic susceptibility. And I predict in the future that every time you take out health insurance, they're going to do an analysis of your genes to find out, you know, what your polymorphisms are. And if you work in a particular uh, environment, they'll say, no, well, yeah, we'll, we'll insure you. But if we insure you, you're going to have to pay a premium because you've got a particular gene, a polymorphism. Does that answer the question? Yeah, it does. No, it's, it's really good. And I, I just had a thought then. With, with the regulation of, 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 of chemicals, um, mm. the government assumes that we're, we're basically all the same. Yeah. Um, so there's a big, big problem with the current way that the that pesticides, for instance, are regulated because, as, as, as your research has shown, we're not all the same. So I'm just wondering what sort of problems that could um, bring up for the regulation of, 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 of chemicals um, if, if we don't all 
react the same, then how do they actually deter- or how can they determine what is actually? Well, that's that's exceedingly difficult. If you're in a work environment, for instance, and we know what the chemicals are in that work environment, then we can probably predict what sort of genes are going to be involved in that. And then you can say, well, if you work in that environment, because you've got a particular polymorphism change in your gene, you may not be able to cope with that particular chemical. Therefore, it's not a good idea for you to work here. Okay? That's what will happen in the future. But just the general exposure to the population, exceedingly difficult to do anything about that. You know, the tiny amounts of hundreds of different chemicals we're exposed to. Work environment, yes, I suspect in the future that's what's going to happen. So the book, um, The Secret Life of Chemicals, where can listeners get a copy from? You can get it through me at the moment um, and uh, I can give my um, email address. And uh, So it's alfredpoulos at gmail.com. Pretty simple. Sure, and we'll make sure to put that up in the, uh, yeah. the program notes as well so people can get in contact and get yeah, a copy sure, of the book. Sure, and I give talks and, and I'm happy to give talks for people and, and there are all sorts of different areas. Uh, and this, this area of genetics is really interesting and that was the area that I did my research in, genetics. Mm. Fascinating. Um, thank you so much for joining it's us in the studio today. It's a pleasure. Excellent, cool. We'll be back in just a moment. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. 3CR's Radical Radio book is now on sale for just $30. You can get your copy of 3CR's book at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history. On sale for just $30. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. listening to 3CR and on Dirt Radio. I'm Phil Evans and we were just chatting uh, before with uh, Professor Alfred Poulos and the wonderful uh, pesticide campaigner at uh, Friends of the Earth, Anthony Amos, talking about uh, Professor Poulos's new book, The Secret Life of Chemicals. Um, we were just uh, talking on the way out of the studio, suggesting that it may be a great idea um, if any union or union organiser organizers are listening um just thinking about the conversation that we're having about workplaces different chemicals and the way it can affect people differently um it sounds like uh alfred Poulos's new book is uh, a good one to get and we'll put his email address up on the show liner notes so you can um get yourself a copy of course um, you're listening to 3CR, and um, 3CR is driven by the energy, politics, passions of our volunteers, members who turn up and do the work week in, week out, and we need your commitment to keep on the air. We want to keep uh, or feed Radical Radio because we need you to subscribe now, and there are power in numbers, and there are power in independent community-run media. So join the growing number of people who are fighting back by feeding your Radical Activist Radio Station. Subscriptions to 3CR. 
3CR are just $35 for concession or pensioner, $75 for waged, and $150 for solidarity, bands, or organizations. So please jump on to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or give the station a call directly on 03 9419 8377. So that's 03 9419 8377 and help keep us on the air. So there are quite a few um, events coming up around at Friends of the Earth. Uh, there is coming up on the 13th of March, the Keep West Australian Uranium Free. Um, it's a public meeting hosted by Friends of the Earth Nuclear Free Collective, and it's on between 6.30 and 8 p.m. Um, the guest speakers, uh, K.A. Garlic, a community campaigner on the nuclear issue um, with the Conservation Council of WA, Dave Sweeney um, from the Australian Conservation Foundation, and, of course, the wonderful Dr. Jim Green, a familiar voice for any dirt radio regulars. Also coming up later on in April in the nuclear space is the Maralinga Pieces, the Forever on Country Art Auction. Um, they're still collecting pieces for this, so if you're a local artist and you want to get in contact, you can email ace, A-C-E, at foe.org.au, friendsofearth.org.au, and um, they can find out about how you can get your artwork included in the auction as well. Their pieces are rolling in, and I can say there are some magnificent ones coming in. So make sure you head along to their arena project space in Fitzroy um, on Friday, April 12th. Put it in your diary now at 6 p.m. Make sure you've kept a little bit of money aside in your bank account. I know a couple of years ago when I was at the art auction, I I loved what I ended up walking home with. It was fantastic. Um, also tonight at Friends of the Earth, uh, for little Friends of the Earth, um, upstairs oh, upstairs in the meeting room, there is a bit of a film night on at 6.30 p.m. Um, it's for the River Country uh, Collective who have been working so hard um, up around the Murray-Darling area around water flows, um, how that works around culture and how that works around ecology as well. So it'll be a really informative night uh, so head along there and there'll be ways to find out how you can get involved in the collective as well because really people are the power and that's the way that we get things done at Friends of the Earth. Um, if you're looking for more events or things to do, then you can always jump onto our Facebook page. Uh, that's Friends of the Earth Melbourne. If you just search that in the search bar, you'll find all the events, um, all the collective meetings as well that you can get along to. So um, heaps of fun to be had there. One last event um, that is coming up on the 21st of March is a discussion forum titled... What can we learn from the new green the green new deal? So a bold and ambitious plan to tackle climate change is uh, building momentum right now in the United States. And what can we learn from it here? Well, it's back as heralded as a visionary approach that could create jobs while cutting emissions, uniting environment environmentalists, I'm really tripping over words today, racial justice campaigners, workers and indigenous activists. While its detractors claim its aspirational and practical idea is ruffling feathers amongst fossil fuel backers. It sounds like it's working then. If you're interested in finding out more about that, head along to join the uh, Yes to Renewables and the Act on Climate Collectives. Um, it'll be in the Friends of the Earth Melbourne Food Co-op at 6.30pm on March 21. So again, put that one into your diaries. 
I want to thank uh, Anthony Amos and uh, Professor Alfred Poulos once again for coming in and that fascinating discussion that we had around uh, the, a new book that is coming out called The Secret Life of Chemicals. Once again, we will put the link to that in the liner notes when we get that up later on today. Um, and we're just about to run out of time, so we might go into a track um, here a little bit of Nick Cave and the Bad Seas, and you need to get ready for love. <laughs> 